Husker Out Loud is a weekly podcast about San Francisco real estate from the Jackson Fuller team, San Francisco Realtors since 2002. Show notes with links are at jacksonfuller.com. What happens when an electrical engineer and an interior designer go house hunting together? Join us and find out in part two of our conversation with clients Pete and Kevin. You come back to why house hunting with you two has always uh, kept me on my toes because we would get to a property, you'll walk to the garage looking for the electrical panel. <laughs> exactly. Meanwhile, you're standing in front of the property. You're not even sure if you're going to go in it because you're assessing the exterior. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so, curb appeal is everything. And one of the things that, you know, observing you is, is you would, what I think you were doing at least, was you would look at the outside and get some sense of scale, light, proportion, and then when you were inside you would actually be like referencing that back like yeah. you know does this room and it, it was fascinating uh, to watch very very informative and the first project that I saw the, the, your first finished project was our mutual client oh, yeah. up on Panorama mm-hmm. and I walked in and I nearly passed out it's so pretty <laughs> <laughs> And the way you, you did in the bedrooms with the, with the closets oh. over the stairs and you oh, made yeah. it make so that much was, more sense. That was the best little trick on that whole project. Oh my god! Was so moving, smart. moving a little closet over the stairs so we yeah. could get space in the bathroom for a double shower. Yeah, yeah. Just those little things that you tweak and it makes all the difference in the world. I can't wait to see their downstairs. Oh, no, did you do their downstairs? Uh, yeah, they're actually doing the management of the remodel, but I designed the layout. Oh, cool! Yeah, so it'll be fabulous. Yeah. I was actually oh, yeah. thinking about our, our, a lot of our houses that we put kind of seem backwards. You come in the front and the front had a lot of the bedrooms, bathroom, and then you walk to the back to get to the living room. So it's, I don't know, our current house is not like that. I was going to say, you're going to because you, you walk to the back of the house first and then you're, then you're in the living room. And then you're in the middle and then you're standing in the kitchen and there's the door to the bedroom. It's uh, <laughs> We had that room. A half door. So I, I do kind of miss the half door to the between the kitchen and the bedroom. Makes <laughs> Made it easy to get a glass of water in the middle of the night. With, with the curving staircase around the kitchen. So you clock your head on as you're walking up, up, upstairs. One thing that I, one of my architectural, I don't know what how to phrase it. One thing that I hate in a uh-huh. house Pet is when, when the kitchen, when the potty is right on oh, the yeah. kitchen. Uh, yeah. I hate that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. a little, yeah. Ew. <laughs> yeah. Matt mentioned that the other day. So make sure when you remodel that you don't put the bathroom in the yeah. kitchen. No. Yeah, because you're working on a project right now where you've been going through planning and entitlement and that. <laughs> no, wait, you can't see the. <laughs> How's that then? Oh, just a barrel of monkeys. <laughs> so much fun. Planning is my favorite part of the city of San Francisco. It's so convoluted. It's horrible. It's horrible. What, what gets me is like we're at a point right now where we've gotten a site permit and now we need the building permit. And if we pay $5,000, it can be expedited. That just drives me crazy because who, what about the people that are in line, been waiting, been waiting, been waiting. And then you're going to, because you, I don't know if we're going to pay the $5,000 or not, but if we do like that just puts us ahead of everybody. And I think it's a bunch of political B- BS. And- <laughs> <laughs> Malarkey as my grandma would say. And, and I think it's, uh, you kind of like hit the nail on the head. I mean, you know, the planning and zoning and building permitting process from the city's point of view are intended to quote, you know, level the playing field and make it a fair process for everyone involved to have their say. But the reality is in the process of trying to allow 
allow everyone to have their say, it's become so convoluted and time consuming that you can absolutely hire someone to game the system for you. Right. Well, it's also so subjective. And I think that that uh, being the engineer in me, it's like, it drives me nuts because right, you're, you're trying to take plans through. There's a set of rules and things you can do, but yet everything about the first part of the process just felt like judgment calls on whether they liked our design or how they well how they read the how they read the rules yeah and interpreted them themselves yeah. so everything we're saying i completely agree with but it's probably kind of vague like do you guys have a concrete example that would our listeners would be able to see like oh so our house is one of five in a row that has a gable roof what's a gable roof Get a pitched like a normal house shape triangle on the top okay. <laughs> and to do anything you could not do anything that would make the roof flat on the front they wanted to keep not only the gable roof as they went up the hill but also the angle of the top of those angled roofs like as you know they wanted it to be like a stair step up mm-hmm. who's they this the building department uh, planning planning. planning. Okay. Yeah, sorry. Well, that was the, that was the weird thing too. Is we spent a bu- I'm sorry, did I cut you off? I'm not going. We we spent a bunch of time yeah. with, with our designs trying to keep in kind with the neighborhood and actually have something that actually blended fairly well. And so our our property is actually set back in the lot, which technically you're not supposed to be, but it was built in 1906, and so it's grandfathered in. But because it's back there. There's a whole bunch of stuff that we can't do. And so we had to get into this kind of funny game of like, you know, we could build all the way to the front of the lot, leave that alone, build all the way to the front of the lot and build this ridiculous monstrosity. But instead, like all we want to do is actually just kind of flatten the roof and like push things out in the front. And so we were actually trying to do something that we thought was relatively subtle. And they said, no, you can't do that. You can do this big thing, yeah. but you can't do this little thing because you're in the back well, two thirds of the lot. It's like, seriously. But also one of the rules is you can go up 40 feet mm-hmm. and certain depending on the terrain, you can go up 40 feet. So if we went to the front and went up 40 feet, we would not have been in line with those gable roofs stepping up the hill. Right. So there's that rule. You can do 40 feet, but, oh, well, you can't do it because we don't yeah. want that to happen. So they decided which rule superseded yeah. which rule. Right. Well, and, well, not even a rule, just a vi- there, there was a visual thing that they wanted to keep, yeah. and that was the step in the gables. Yeah. Which they could, unless you decided that you wanted to go up all the way to 40 feet, right? right? right. But there was no but they middle ground. Yeah. Yeah, they would they let us go up to 40 feet if it didn't match the slope. But, which so, But there, so, it was impossible to match yeah. the slope. Right. So there was a there was the yeah. rule oh, in place. 22. There was a rule in place, right. and then how they interpreted how things should look visually. How somebody at a city planning department has any bearing on visuals and aesthetics is beyond me. What yeah. is, that's not their job. You bring an architect and a designer in and that's their job. Well, they actually have the city has established and published design guidelines about how they believe buildings that are being built should look. So, well, we know well, that's not good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the other thing I did notice that, that kind of, once I kind of got a picture of this, it helped me at least understand some of it, which is one of the things they seem to be very concerned about is any decisions that they make that set precedent that other people can use. And so there were some of those kind of decisions where it's like, okay, well, if we let you do this, then somebody else will use that as an argument for why they can do something. And so they seem to be very sensitive to some of those kinds of precedents. They seem like, no, they don't want to, no one wants to make the decision that's going to let anyone else go, oh, you want to go back two inches? Let someone go back one inch. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So there was a, there was a bunch of 
those kinds of things where they, they basically did a bunch of trade-offs. So we ended up like, we've got this strange kind of, I don't even know what you call it. What's that thing out the back, back of the bedroom? They kind of push bay, out it's a bay window. the bay, kind of a bay window in the back of the bedroom. And we ended up having to pull that back in to trade off some space somewhere else in the house. Yeah. So, cause it's all that pressure. In order to get the roof line high enough in the top of the house to actually walk around when we finish out the floor, we had to take away mass on the back and mass on the side to kind of like put that mass on top. Yeah. So you're basically taking square cubic square feet and moving it around. You've got a fixed wow. a fixed amount of Play-Doh. You can you can put it in any configuration, but it's the same amount of Play-Doh. All of which is just absolutely stunning to me, considering some of the the larger projects we've seen on the market in your neighborhood. You know, yeah. Castro, Eureka Valley, Neve Valley, Corona Heights. You have plenty of properties in the last five years that have nothing to do with quote unquote neighborhood mm-hmm. scale. Yeah, for better or worse, mm-hmm. right? I have heard, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong about this, that people are doing things. They're just going, they're doing what they want to do. And because the process is so long and it costs so much, why not just do what I want to do and then I'll pay the fine? It wasn't there one. In, I have, in, if they're doing that, it's cleaned up by the time it gets to the sales stage. I mean, I've never seen a 3R that had like um, a notice of abatement on it for something like yeah. that for them just kind of building out to what they wanted. Um, wasn't there one over in Noe Valley though where they just decided that like overnight they tore down the house. Yeah. It was a historic house and it got torn down overnight because, well, it's... it's well, well, it's it's cheaper to pay the fines than having to game game the system, well, right? Or you know, Irish Lightning. You know, yeah. <laughs> Irish Lightning. It, it happens. Yeah. And it was the one where they um, were remodeling the foundation, and the house slid down the hill onto the house below it. Oh that yeah, yeah, yeah. that one was awesome. About two or three years. Yeah, ago. no, that was up on twenty oh, first, yeah. something like that. I think it was about like up. It was, on, it was one of those steep hills where yeah, there was that house was under construction for a long time. So I was um, Irish Lightning. That's awesome. I know. <laughs> Wasn't the one in Twin Peaks owned by someone who's known the one that fell off its foundation up there? Seems like it was known by someone. Who, he, it, yeah, if we, yeah. Here's don't don't name fell names. Off its foundation. <laughs> I hate it when that happens. Although there was the guy in Sunnyside, homeowner in Sunnyside, who was also doing a do-it-yourself foundation. Oh, that's project. the one that I was thinking of. Yeah, that's the that's the other one. Yeah, and that one was uh, a whoops, my house slid onto yours. Oh wow, that was the interesting thing in the, on the. Street houses when we were having them check out the foundation. It had one of the original brick foundations and it wasn't lashed in. And they said, well, that's actually in the middle of the block, not as big of a deal because the brick foundations are actually pretty decent, but they crumble. <laughs> so. And I will tell you, the, the gentleman who did your inspection on that property. Was he lying to me? <laughs> um, he, he actually has a hat. He's retired at this point. His reputation was for blowing up deals. Because he would just give people the straight up unvarnished. This oh, really? It's going to be kind of truth. And I'm oh. like, okay, if Pete, if he's telling this to Pete, and Pete's like, okay, I'll, I'll take it. Like, a, you know, your logic works for me. It's, okay. it's probably logical. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it makes sense. Is that who I think it was? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, it actually was kind of interesting to me because he was super, he was super upfront about it. And he said, honestly, people don't want brick foundations because when you go in and inspect them, if there's an earthquake and that kind of thing, they do crumble. But so people like the concrete foundation is much more sturdy, but his description, which made a certain amount of sense to me, is those are sturdy, which means it broadcasts the waves up through the house instead. Um, so, I'm, I'm an electrical engineer, <laughs> so um, seems reasonable to me, but I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> so, I, you know, but it's a fun story. <laughs> I've, 
I've heard so many inspectors say, you know, there's brick foundations that are still in great shape mm-hmm. and there's brick mm-hmm. foundations that aren't. And if you have one that's still in great shape. Yeah, that one was great. And um, it is true when you're in the middle of the block, the houses next to you hold you up. Yeah. And yeah, if you have a corner brick foundation, it might be a different story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, was, it was in the middle of the block and it was a fine foundation. So yeah. I don't know if it still is, but man, not a big earthquake lately. A lot has happened to that property since you have Yeah, I haven't been in it. They, the, the guy you sold oh, to totally did all going, the rest of the stuff. Did all the rest of the stuff. And then someone bought the lower. Um, oh, I haven't oh. seen that. But, oh yeah, David's yeah because yeah. David passed and then so, sold it. Yeah, made me a little sad though because his was like his apartment was crazy because he just had been collecting stuff since the dawn of time. It's another one of those. It was very. I fall. think that one came on the market when I was out of town and I didn't see it. Yeah, really? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you're right. Yeah. His, his his unit was much more well preserved, like original, because there was the whole story of those two houses next to each other. And but his layout also made a lot less sense. Yes, as I recall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, no, his, it, was a, it was a little more organic, yeah. right? Because like the, his kitchen, <laughs> like his kitchen dining was in the middle, and there was actually a bedroom and a bath behind that. Yeah, there was a. Previous, oh yeah, it yeah, seemed yeah. like there was a previous use for the building. Yeah, maybe like a hostel or something like that, or like that little apartment with a central kitchen is what we kind of heard. Uh, yeah. That so, could make sense. So there were people that lived outside the hit city who came in during the yeah. week to work, I guess it's in the 1800s. So you could d- definitely see how that space had changed a lot. Like I was talking about the grand living room and dining room. That was had to be like four or five rooms at some point Probably, in the yeah. past. Yeah. Well, that building had had a fire, right? Yeah. yeah, actually, yeah, when we went up, after we bought it and went up on the... Or no, I thought we found out during inspections. Oh, that's right. Inspections yeah. went up there and it's like they had, yeah, fire had the burned out timbers up there. Wow. And they, they had put replacement boards right next to it and it's fine but it's kind of fascinating so there's so many buildings that have had fires so many ghosts in that house so wait back to the current planning and time and title uh, okay. process <laughs> <laughs> oh no let's, see, oh, how so meander- what, let's you, see how meandering we can make this you, you've got your site permit which means planning is signed off on on your 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 plan Demo, so yeah. uh what was the resolution to the angle of our gable on our roof so we're keeping the gable. We're building out in the front. We're still going to make it as modern as possible. And, you know, we've kind of come around to this shape of roof line as being great. And we just, it's kind of like a, uh, it was a, a design challenge. You know, there's, you take those and you make the best you can with what you have. So see, if, uh, but, uh, you know, if someone from planning was to listen to this, you know, I think perhaps the <laughs> message they're going to take is, you know, our arbitrary enforcement of rules led to a better design, but I don't think I don't that's what we're trying better. to say. <laughs> I would say that it's good because you had a designer and an architect working on it together and, you know, you just take what you have and make it the best you can. Yep. I think we also went in with a a unrealistic expectation of, of budget and some of those kinds of things and be lack of understanding of what kinds of things could go through planning. And so like our original, the original plans are kind of fascinating to look at because they don't bear much. No, not squared out. It's different. Well, part of the process of designing it is also 
and I do this with every project, I blow it out. Like you make you I remove all the walls and rearrange and make everything as interesting as you can and work as well as it can. And then you kind of like come in from that. We had to come way in from yeah. what we originally planned, which was actually outside of the budget we wanted to spend. Mm-hmm. So I think we had, and you know, <laughs> we got to a point where we really wanted to know, make sure that we were being sensitive to other people's views and light and being in keeping with the feel of the neighborhood, but still do a modern house. Do you regret that? Do you feel like you should have just looked out for yourself and, and let everyone no, else fight no. for them? Or do you feel like it was a good choice? No, we have to live in that neighborhood and we want to be part of the neighborhood yeah. and we want people to know that by what we do yeah. with what they see. I think that was the thing that was really interesting. (laughs) That's one thing that I found really interesting moving into this particular neighborhood is the other neighborhoods we've been in in San Francisco. We don't really know the neighbors. We didn't know the neighbors really well. It was a neighborhood of transients. Um, This neighborhood, we actually know the neighbors pretty well. They were super nice. We got like, as soon as we moved in, we got invited to a progressive dinner and we went to dinner with them and that kind of thing. And so it was really I liked that. It was unusual to me because I didn't think I would, but I actually kind of liked that. And so it's actually pretty important to me that we have conversations with the neighbors. That's and, nice. And do something that they're going to be respectful. Because the other fact of the matter is when we start the construction, that's not going to be super pleasant for them. And so I wanted to make sure that we had established relationships in advance. That, that's nice. So that they knew we were looking out. Because sometimes people come in and they're like, you know, this is what I'm doing and screw the rest of you. And then yeah. other times yeah. people come in and they're like, this is what I would like to do. And the neighbors say, we're going to make your life a living yeah. hell. Right. Yeah. Like we had a, we had clients interested in a property in Noe Valley. <laughs> and it was the people had lived there since the dawn of time. And they were, they were owner occupiers. They were having financial trouble. If I remember correctly. Or they were just ready to Maybe sell just, and retiring. Downsizing, and like a stage of life was over kind of thing. The, um, so, you know, they're in Noe Legal Valley. Stuff. They have a single family home that is ripe for, Upgrades on and, a killer block, and mm-hmm. uh, with na- and a neighbor mm-hmm. wrote a letter to the agent that mm-hmm. the agent then had to disclose, and it was like basically, I've lived in this neighborhood for a long time. No one is taking my any of my view, and I've done you know I have successfully fought X, Y, and Z. And this woman was just like you know basically you know so come and get it. it the but, most, and I'm an attorney. It was uh, the most passive aggressive neighborly hug I have ever witnessed. Yes, it was basically so. like. We are so excited for the sale of our neighbor's property. And if whoever buys this plans on doing anything that changes anything about our experience, we just like to let them know how committed we are to helping make sure that's not going to happen. <laughs> wow. And so when we saw what it closed for, we were like, yeah, that letter took some value off that house. Yeah. However, so, the flip side of that letter could have been argued if you wanted to, if you perhaps wanted to take it to planning and say, this proves that my neighbor's unreasonable. Like no matter what yeah. I did, yeah. I wasn't going to satisfy them. So yeah. satisfying them shouldn't be a criteria. You there have been a lot news. of, there's been a lot of tiptoeing through this process, yeah. not to step on any toes, whether it's a, a planning person who you don't want to piss off and make them mad and have them make your life hell or neighbors that have to review your drawings mm-hmm. before the 311 and then after the 311. What's a 311? Uh, neighborhood, neighborhood notification. notification. But it goes out to a 
broader audience, a broader neighborhood. Feet. Yeah, 311 feet, feet. Uh, radius. Radius from your house. And then the hearing after that, you go and you're like, oh my God, who's going to show up to this hearing? And the hearing's at your house. Well, wait, are we talking about no. the neighborhood notification where the meeting's at your house or the hearing that comes Both. next back at planning? The neighborhood, neighbors coming to your house right. is the immediate neighbor's coming for the first review. And then if no one balks at that, you take it to the next level. And then I think that's the 311. Uh, We did the neighborhood notification first and then, yeah, 311 hearing. And I think, I think we decided to head it off because there's kind of this discretionary thing, but if you go ahead and take it to the, I don't remember what the details were. It was, it was strange. But after that, we also sent an email to all the neighbors in the neighbor in uh, around us and said, just wanted to let you know, this is what we're doing. Sent out drawings to everybody and said, in the hearings on this day, uh, please let us know if you want to talk about it. And I actually went to a couple of neighbors' houses and spoke to them about what we were doing, what the views, like one neighbor was concerned that now we'll be able to see into their backyard. Yeah from the upper deck. And, you know, I tried to, you know, there's not really a lot they can do about it. They just wanted to express that concern. And I'm thinking, well, we don't want to really, you to see us up on our deck either. We'll do, try to do some planting. Oh, those guys. Okay. So (laughs) that whole thing about this play back and forth with neighbors is again, the reason like we don't want to just build this monstrosity and, middle finger to the neighborhood. Yeah. Now let's so, yeah. No, can, I, can I tell you about a very opposite experience I know that's happening in the neighborhood right now, which is someone who bought a house in an older Victorian single family that they, they want to, you know, massively expand to everything yeah. they can on the law. They gave their neighbors the middle finger in the planning process. And when actually they started building, because it was more convenient for them, they just built two inches onto this individual's lot. Oh, no. And it was like, well, what's your problem? That's just your breezeway. Like, why do you really care? Wow. Right? So you do get the opposite attitude. That's the thing that I find odd is, like, I just don't, like, as a human being, I don't understand that kind of behavior. And so it kind of flummoxes me when I hear about some of those kind of things. It's like, I mean, just, just the kind of the devious infighting kind of stuff because it's just... It was bizarre to me. It's like as soon as we had these conversations with our neighbors around ours, it's like it was just something that we need to work through. It's yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, because like I thought you were talking about the ones that were behind us because we had we had the weird kind of courtship dance with the neighbors where you invite them over and you have like wine and cheese and all this <laughs> kind of stuff. It's like and did you put show anything you, else in the cheese? Your plans and that kind of thing. And the like bizarre conversations you have with them about their concerns because the one behind it was like it was another one of those they were concerned that you could see too much and then he described to us what he was concerned that we might see it's like we didn't even know you were back there but thanks for pointing that out <laughs> i mean it, it, it was fine you're blushing people <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like he was worried about drawing his blinds and he hangs out on his deck it's like okay fine i don't i still don't care yeah. <laughs> it's fine and we've got these like ridiculous you have huge trees, trees back there in the back. Yeah. so he was like on the other side of these trees i didn't even know he was there and he showed up to this meeting <laughs> to describe to us he's like, wanting you to look <laughs> I don't think so actually it was just it was just uh, it's just a funny conversation <laughs> so well we had a um, about 10 years ago we had a listing in Noe Valley that was a um, an old rundown like falling down could have the whole house could have been demoed like we could have gotten or the sellers could have gotten permission mm-hmm. to rip the whole thing down but they kept you know one stick of wood and called it a remodel uh-huh. so it's a different yeah. permit mm-hmm. and uh, turned it into a two unit building mm-hmm. Front and back. And 
when I was doing the open house there, this neighbor walks over and I'm, you know, I'm either a friendly person or I play one on TV when I'm at an open house. <laughs> and this guy comes over and I was like, Hey, would you like to take a look? And he said, I hope you choke on this place. And I was just like, and he's like, you have ruined my life for the last year. And I went, and I, and then I, then I, I you know, then I was sad person. Wow. I mean, that's a little bit of like weird anger. And then I watched where he, and he's like three quarters of a block away well, on the other side of the street. Oh like there's goodness. no effect. People, people are funny. And uh, but, <laughs> that, that, made me, that made me very oh. sad that he was so mean to me. Oh, I understand. Esker Out Loud is a weekly podcast about San Francisco real estate from the Jackson Fuller team, San Francisco realtors since 2002. Show notes with links are at jacksonfuller.com. Wow. Wow.